Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Joining me is co-host Hannah Garcia, one of our associates, to recap the week. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Hello, everybody. All right, so it's uh, we're closing out second week of 2023, and it's been an eventful last two weeks. We saw the swearing in of the Austin Council last Friday. Um, any uh, observations there? I know last time we were talking about the Mayor Pro, Mayor Pro Tim selection was their first official item of business. And any any uh, what were your, your thoughts on the selection? Um, I think um, you know there's there was some surprises. Uh, I definitely didn't expect them to split it again. Um, just because it was only a two-year term for Mayor Pro Tem. But, uh, you know, Leslie Poole, uh, Councilmember Leslie Poole and Councilmember Paige Ellis are going to be um, taking on that role. So, you know, we'll see Paige Ellis as uh, Mayor Pro Tem this first year. And then in 2024, uh, Councilmember Leslie Poole will take it on. And I definitely think, uh, I think I was a bit surprised just because uh, those council members are both, um, you know, more West Austin up the West Austin block. So I definitely thought just because, you know, the mayor uh, had won a lot of West Austin, they would give it to somebody, you know, in the Eastern Crescent. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still really happy with who they chose because they're both very, you know, seasoned council members. And also um, uh, Paige Ellis is a renter. So we still have a renter in there. And that's always great because, you know, I think one of the things we're also seeing is the amount of renters in the city just continues to increase. Mm -hmm. Um, So love representation of a renter. In any kind. Yeah. And just a, a refresher for those who aren't aware, the mayor pro tem is a ceremonial role but serves the purpose of uh community, you know, of of acting in the mayor's place when the mayor's off the dais, um, in most most cases. And so ceremonial, but also you know, it's 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 something that's voted on and confirmed by their colleagues. So, you know, definitely important as well. And uh yeah, I think uh, you know, council gets underway on January 26th. So you know, there's still, um, it's been fairly, relatively quiet on the, you know, to the council front. They moved in their offices officially on Monday and we're seeing more staff selections. I think most of the offices now are staffed up and the key roles around chief of staff and at least a policy advisor. We created, we created a blog uh, post just cat- categorizing this, including links or LinkedIn uh, links to the various staffers. And so that will be in the show notes as well, but uh, you know, also we had we found out on Friday the mayor's chief of staff is going to be Colleen Pate, formerly chief of staff to uh, Laura Huffman, who is the CEO of um, the Austin Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce. And so that you know that was um, you know we worked with her some at the chamber, so definitely looking forward to working with her in this new role. And then Barbara Shack, the beloved Barbara Shack, is coming back to be uh, Mayor Watson's uh, executive assistant. And you know we've we worked she was Mayor Adler's. Um, EA for the whole eight year stretch and glad to see her back in there. But I think she's the only returning, you know, kind of or holdover from the prior administration, but a key, a very key role. Yeah. Yeah. With staff picks, you know, I will say I've been very, very pleased to see the people that they've chosen. Um, you know, we've got a lot of people from, you know, the uh, Texas legislature and just with how fast, uh, you know, Mayor Watson has said he wants to approach things. You know, I think it's great that we've got, you know, a lot of people who have, you know, dealt with making policy really, really quickly mm-hmm. on the spot. Because, you know, um, coming from the legislature, you know, a lot of the times you're just kind of sitting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, you got to start sprinting really fast. And so mm-hmm. I definitely think that will that experience will lend itself to this council. And, um, yeah, I would say like every single hire that has been announced 
Um, you know, it's it's really, really smart, sharp people who have worked on great things. And so, you know, I, I'm only expecting great things for the city right now. Yeah, it's definitely a mix of there's several, you know, we have several members of the council who have prior legislative experience, and including Senator Watson, or state, or former state Senator Watson, who actually still maintains floor access to the Texas Senate as well. So, that, you know, and then a number of staff hire council staff hires as well have, have legislative experience. And another, I think, trend within that as well on the council staff selection is there's definitely a you know strong cross pollination of offices too. I think we talked we talked this before, spoke of this before prior to swearing in, but there's just not a overall large pool of qualified talent, like and you know, to go around to all these offices, right? As opposed to the legislature. And so we we see a number of chiefs um who have been on um, the current council who are prior chiefs to other council members you know i think notably uh or prior chiefs we have jason lopez who was a you know a policy aide to council member Ann kitchen is now the chief staff for council member of vesa fuentes in d2 and coming from d5 um uh council member quadri's chief of staff sarah barge was formerly council member fuentes chief of staff and then yeah we have uh john lawler who not not a new hire, but she's a chief. Of, he is chief of staff for Councilmember Natasha Upper Mar- Madison in D one. He was formerly in senior roles with now Congressman uh, Greg Kassar in D four. So I think that's important. People understand too that that a lot of these staff have already worked together, um, you know, different in different offices, but have a good working relationship. It's going to be very important um, if on 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 driving policy across the board. So yeah, I agree. More to come on that. Um, and then also for the who do, for those who aren't aware, the, the city of Boston Council has a open has a public message board where a lot of issues uh will first come to bear uh, before they you know reach the dice. And so we will post that in the show notes, but it's something we, we review regularly several times a day. Uh the, the biggest uh action on there so far is around uh, new council committee appointments. You know, it, it's still being discussed and deliberated, and they have active spreadsheets they're revising. But we expect those formally to be uh, solidified ahead of council's work session on the 24th or on the 26th when they vote. And so these include everything from public health, mobility. Uh, there are five or so, I think, um, count our committees of council. These are set up under Mayor Adler, and they were, I think, ostensibly meant to be an analog to what you see at the Capitol, where you have committees that vet issues such that by the time it comes to the full body, full member of, members of council, the, any major matters or disagreements on it have been have been sussed out and worked out. That is not the case. But I think again, with the number of folks we have who've come from the legislature, you know, there's, you know, it's it's always a chance to 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 do it anew. Some more to yeah. come on that. Yeah, and I think one of the things we've kind of seen just previously with the city of Austin is that things take a really, really long time to go to, you know, the commission and board it needs to go to, and then to go to the committee it needs to go to, and then to go to council, and then it needs to get, you know, has to be read a few times. And so I think, you know, one of the things we're likely going to see, and just kind of from what I've heard (coughs) council members and staffers say, is that they want to, you know, kind of push things through that pretty quickly. They want to, you know, kind of, you know, fight, not fight the um, the system, but really like use the system and push things through it. So, you know, if they're going to have a committee meeting, you know, they're going to do that very, very, you know, substantially, and they're really going to review the policy in a way I don't think we have before. You know, it's not just going to be like, okay, we have to read this, um, 
they're really going to make changes and recommendations that then the you know committee is going to look at, that then council is going to look at. Because I think, you know, one of the things I've at least seen is that, you know, it'll go to a, some type of ordinance or legislation will go to a board or commission. And then those recommendations will just kind of get lost. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's because the um, the committee it goes to next or commission or board it goes to next doesn't fully understand the nuance and technicalities of it that the recommendations are coming to, or just because they do not have time. You know, we've seen a lot of things, you know, get pushed through, you know, on the land development code side, we've seen a lot of stuff happen, you know, in November, December. And I think, you know, there's going to be a certain level of speed that's going to come in the next couple of months that they're going to handle um, very, very um, purposely. Mm -hmm. I'll say this too, right? I mean, one of the key difference, well, there are several differences between uh, the our local boards, commissions, and, and council committee structure versus the capital. Um, but all, you know, I think one of the biggest ones, right? With our, you know, we the the public is very much involved um, in a deliberative and legislative process in a way that you don't see the, at the capital, right? And I think because of that, I mean, that's just it, it's, a, it's a nuance there in Austin. Overall, you know, it's it's a city that you know. I I think we folks would might disagree with it, but I think the city does a good job on like in terms of civic engagement, right? Um, people, you know, coming to these meetings and, you know, and, I mean, keep in mind the boards and commissions are all volunteer roles. I think it's, it's the city, I think is more often like cautious on, on having more engagement with the public than not before they. Yeah, definitely. You know, policy. So how that, yeah, again, again, I agree though, how, where that, where that line is, right. So not so much pushing things through, it's just speeding the process up and still respecting, you know, the, or respecting I think what's been a you know pretty uh, solid policy of of of, of public uh, notice and engagement, right, um, is going to be you know the needle of thread there. Yeah, or the the, the, thre the threading of the needle there, rather. So we'll see. And again, I think right, it'll get worked. I mean, I think it'll, it'll it's a process. It will be over fine and everything else. So yeah, and by no means is the capital system the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, they don't need to copy that. Um, but I, I definitely think um, there's a certain level of speed mm -hmm. they're really going to try to and, you know, bring. There's a, there's a value too to just have for things being slowed down sometimes as well. Yeah, yeah, right. no, definitely. I uh, I remember being in the Capitol for budget night, and we'd all have to slow that down. Uh, you know, stay there till three in the morning. But um, yeah, no, there's definitely um, I guess you know uh, pros to slowing it down. But also, you know, one of the things that this city I think has struggled with is moving quickly and we kind of need to move quickly now um, just because there's a lot of pressing issues that I, I think, you know, haven't been really dealt with. And I think we're already seeing that with uh, the potential red uh, blue ribbon task force for childcare. You know, that's something that I don't think any policymaker in the city has really touched and substantially like been like, I'm going to fix this because I know it's attached to affordability and I know that it's going to put more, um, money in people's pockets. You know, I don't think I've ever seen anyone, you know, connecting the dots like that. And that to me is already signaling, like, we are going to do things and we're going to do things uh, very creatively to fix things. Yeah. Uh, which what, which I love. task force. I mean, there, I think it's, it's more not, I mean, there was a task force several years ago, but one that comes to mind is around institutional racism, right? And that was also, those can be my mayor Adler. What got, what struck me with, and this, this blue ribbon task force around affordable child or affordable childcare is something that Mayor Watson announced last month, uh, I think on the 8th and the 18th in an uh, interview with uh, WFAA of Dallas, 
but it's not just the task force, right? It's it ultimately, right, that's still being formulated. What that's going to look like is it going to be a 50 person task force, <laughs> or which uh, I don't believe really is you do that when you don't want things substantive to happen because it can't, it's, nothing gets done that big, or or what size will be to me, what size will it be, but is also the speed at which they, he wants them to come back with recommendations, right? So he's looking, you know, depending on when it gets convened, if they could get this done by the end of the month, he wanted, I think I saw, I read like a 90 day turnaround, right? So recommendations would come back. Let's say they they got this approved by the 26th. We look at probably the end of or beginning of Q2 and those re- those recommendations would turn around most likely and go to council for full deliberation and voting or, you know, packaging or just ahead of budget season. Right. But the speed on that. Right. This isn't something that's going to take a year to do. You know, you know, it's so again, that's we've we've been watching and talking with mayor's office about how that's going to look. But I think that the, the speed of it all, it can't be a big ta- it can't be a large size task force. Um, for them to come back with any substantive recommendations in 90 days. So more to come on that. But speaking as well on the board and commission side, a number of council members um, with a number of new, new council members coming in and also just turnover with the current council or the members of council who came, who came over from last year, uh, there'll be a number of public board and commission seats available. And those are things anyone, well, certain, there are certain parameters, right? But they're open to the public to apply for. We'll include in the show notes as well links to that. They are, you know, you don't necessarily have to live in the district um, or the council member, your council member can appoint someone, our council members rather, a council member can appoint someone who doesn't live in their district district to serve on a board of commission. So don't let that necessarily be a, you know, a, um, a factor and, and not looking to apply. I think there's a lot of roles out there that for folks who are looking to get involved in the city, in a more substantive way, provides a great opening opportunity, and who knows where where they may lead. So, more to come on that. But I know these appointments near you know with four members of council, new members of council, they're maybe looking for appointments around. I mean, key ones are planning commission, which where any zoning autonomous go through board of adjustments as well, zoning and planning, um, urban transportation commission, a lot of things. So we'll we'll have a link just overall to the board's commission's page. And then, you know, what we, I'd recommend is just following you know, various council members online. They'll, they're starting to post uh, links and notes about, you know, open calls for these seats. So more to come on that. And then we did talk, we did, well, yeah, we touched on, our, we touched on the Blue Ribbon Task Force, but uh, on Wednesday as well, council member Vanessa Fuentes and D2 announced, I think this, this is really our, our first sub, you know, more articulated or substantive policy proposal of the year. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um just also focusing on affordable child care. So it's gonna be let me pull it up, I can find it real quick. Several items. Um so overall, I don't I don't know if it'll be a resolution or a draft ordinance, but she's calling for a three-pronged three-pronged approach, rather. Um, her policy would we don't we don't have the language yet, but the policy would reduce zoning barriers to open new and expand existing child care centers establish a grant program to secure new centers and child care deserts. And that especially is, is um, I mean, that's pretty much the Eastern Crescent, East Austin. And then also loosen parking restrictions to ensure more space is used to serve the children in our community. So a number of, oh, this also has, this has the the co-sponsorship of Mayor Watson and council members, Allison Alter, Jose Velasquez and uh, and Harper Madison. So, um, you know, good mix of East West on there. 
And um, but this is our first, my, my, I believe, our first articulated policy of the year. And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I I loved it. I loved the parking garage edition. Uh, last night I was just you know scrolling through Twitter and I actually saw that um, there had been a site plan filed for 901 Lavaca. They're going to turn a uh, parking garage into housing. And so I I love that people are starting to go and be like, no, we don't need parking garages on every single corner in this city. Uh, we can use it to you know enrich the community or provide housing. So immediate love it. And I also liked how she announced it. I think she did a great job, you know, posting it on, um, you know, social media and just doing community outreach because, um, you know, it's it's a great thing that people need to know about. Uh, so I'm really I'm really excited to see how this is going to flesh out to see kind of how, you know, uh, what little changes are going to be made to make it even better. You know how it's going to flesh out who's going to support it, who's not going to support it. Um, I definitely think it's going to be interesting. Always interesting. Always interesting. And speaking of that, too, I forgot to mention, Hannah, happy Friday the 13th. Oh yeah, happy Friday the thirteenth. Um, I have a black cat, so I think I'm like safe from all the. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I've, I've done my my various uh, sacraments or everything else, so I think we're, we're good. But we'll be doing uh, some volunteer work later today, uh, just ahead of the MLK uh, weekend, our, our early day of service, and uh, we'll have some photos and, and discussions about that going on um, today and and on Monday, but. Uh, lastly, uh, we appreciate your listen. You're listening to the show and continuing to be, you know, fans of BAM Group. Definitely follow us on all social media, but we're especially look or hoping y'all would follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, this is Bingham Group, uh, Bingham LLC on LinkedIn, and then as well subscribe to the BG Reads through LinkedIn. It's a great source of uh, daily content from us, as well as you'll get updates on new podcasts and other information uh, just on our thoughts that we're seeing and watching Council. You can also follow us at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. Thank you and have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.